hello everybody you are listening to off the record chalks unfiltered weekly podcast where myself wyatt hall uh, nicole dolan and taylor warden just talk about anything and everything including what do you guys think of of men who paint their fingernails i i recently went on a date with a girl and she really was very enthusiastic about painting my fingernails because she said that I had good nails, apparently. I don't know what defines good nails and what doesn't. And I did it, and now I'm kind of into it, and I don't know how to feel about that. It's like, like, do you guys encourage this? Is it cute for boys to wear fingernail polish? I think it's cute. I like it. I mean, I think always it's like, you do have nice nails, Wyatt. I mean, I think it kind of depends, too. Like, I know at least my brother, like, he bites his nails into the quick, and so it's like if you kind of only have like a centimeter of a nail, like a little tiny bit, then you probably don't need to paint it. But I think it's cute. I think it's fun. It's a branching out. It's like an extension of your style. You can do a little alternating colors depending on the season. I say why not? I think it uh, depends on the man and depends on their aesthetic because uh, I think that, yes, it's, it is an accessory but it has to be used wisely. Um, And so I respect men who take the time to, you know, do the alternating colors because it'll match their aesthetic or, you know, keep it black and then keep their like wardrobe like fun and flirty or something like that, you know? And so I think that if you're going to do it, you have to full send it and you have to commit because other than that, then it's just like, you're trying to be quirky I will I will add one thing that's definitely like a downside that I found of it is with how long fingernail polish lasts. I got my nails painted black and there are some days where I'm like, well, what if I just want to wear, you know, pastel colors and it doesn't feel like it fits, but I can't just like change what color I have on my nails. But the thing is, is that you can with nail polish remover and more nail polish. So that argument is invalid. <laughs> I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, I think the consensus is that we support you in your endeavors. And if you feel like it adds to your character growth, then it does. I'm I'm thinking about it. It's kind of nice. It feels it feels like, you know, fun and flirty, like you said. I'm like, look at my nails. They look great. They stand out. And it adds to my outfits. Yeah. And, you know, if you're feeling yourself, you're feeling yourself. Speaking of feeling yourself, we are joined by Emerson Karsh Lombardo, Chalk Magazine's new sex columnist. And this woman knows loads about sex and kinks and educating folks and being your go-to gal for any questions. No, no question is out of pocket, right, Emerson? Like anything, ask away, right? ask away literally anything we decided to bring her on because we introduced her in this week's episode of reading between the lines and we just wanted to give y'all a little teaser of what it would be like to have a conversation with emerson and so um i know that i have a few questions regarding you know female masturbation and like pleasure and things like that but I guess we can just dive in, unless Emerson, you want to give a little 
intro, like social media drop kind of thing? Yeah, I don't know. I'm Emerson. I'm a senior at KU. I'm, I study human sexuality. I have probably been interested in sex education since I was like 16, 17. Um, and then I discovered that I was really into kink education because I thought that there was like a lot of gaps in it. So I started my own kink education Instagram account called The Kink Educator. Um, and it's small but growing and I make educational graphics in a way that I like would like to learn because there's a lot of kink educators out there like on TikTok, YouTube, but I love learning off of educational graphics. So I thought, why not make a need that I wish I had met earlier kind of do. Right. And so you actually make those like you yourself? Yes. They're pretty impressive graphics. Yeah, they're so cute. Thank you. (laughs) They are so cute. Well, the first question that I have is, why do you think talking about self-pleasure as a woman is so taboo? And like, how do you get to a point where you are actually comfortable about talking about it slash like maybe exploring it? Because in my experience, yeah, we're going to go right into it wow I'm really exposing myself but I'm a very productive person um that's not a flex that's like almost a downfall because if I feel like I'm not doing something productive or moving myself forward um in like five minutes which is usually how long it takes to build up the courage to like try anything um then I psych myself out and then I just like move away and I just move on to something else. And so I guess what, how do you bring yourself into the headspace to like explore that and not feel bad about it slash not feel unproductive about it? I think, well, I think to answer like your first question, I was like, why, like, is it so taboo to talk about like female pleasure specifically is like, mostly females in the media and just like in society are are like portrayed as like basically objects to help satisfy men like you know we're not supposed to have pleasure the clitoris is actually the only sex organ the only organ that's for pleasure like specifically like it's the only organ in the human body like because the penis has lots of other functions besides pleasure and so does like the vagina besides the clitoris so I think that's really interesting and not talked about enough um, because women like historically weren't allowed to like experience pleasure. You know, Um, the first vibrator was invented actually within a mental hospital um, because women who it was called like hysteria, they like basically tried fixing female hysteria through like vibrators, like the original vibrator. Um, Also Cleopatra would put bees in like a box basically um as like a homemade vibrator so vibrators have always been a thing like masturbation has always been a thing how badass is that using bees bees? (laughs) yeah she said save the bees she did she said the bees are gonna save me too (gasps) oh my gosh (laughs) but i think just understanding that you know your body is made feel pleasure especially the clitoris like the clitoris is like has eight thousand nerves just for you to get off 
So I think really just hone in on those nerves and like appreciate your body for what it is. And like, I think for more getting in the mood, like, you know, anything erotica, like porn, like erotica audio, erotica, like, like actual, like books, like can always like help. Um, I think females don't think that like they're allowed to access porn, even though like girls can watch porn. Girls do watch porn. Um, there are porn sites and companies like specifically targeted towards women. So I think those are ways to get into the mood and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of goes with the question that I had was I was just going to ask you about your view on porn and like, is there porn that is like more ethical to consume to another, like kind of what is a guide to that? Cause I feel like there's a lot of controversy surrounding that and like, is it okay to consume or not? And I was just wondering what your thoughts are on that. Um, I think porn, I think the main thing to think about when thinking about porn is that like, it's not real life. Like obviously like it's not sex education. It's not real, but it's, if it's something that like causes arousal, then like, yeah, definitely engage in it. And I don't think like women should ever be ashamed to like watch porn um, or like feel dirty for enjoying porn or anything. Because I think that porn has always been marketing marketed as like a thing for men, you know, playboy wasn't marketed towards females. It was marketed towards men. Um, and that was like our original, not the original porn, but it, it started help. It started the porn industry. So I think just like recognizing that like one, it's not real life. And so I think sometimes females like can struggle with that because you ever watch porn like the woman is always like over exaggerated and like over done a little bit and like that's not real but if it arouses you then keep on watching watch however much however long and I think that's totally fine I think what trips me up a bit is that um like there are cases where the porn that is like produced is not necessarily ethical in terms of like it there are sites that you know feed into like sex trafficking right and so there are cases of that or like uh revenge porn and things like that or you know videos of women getting uploaded without their consent and things like that and so I guess like the question is like how do you know what is ethically produced and what is not and like how do you um I guess differentiate like this pleasure that I'm feeling with like oh this person is like kind of not consenting but like ah you know does that make sense yeah yeah so I think the number one answer to that is stay the hell away from Pornhub like it's the largest porn website but it's also the largest like promoter of things like you were talking about revenge porn, human trafficking, child pornography, like huge on the hub. Also Pornhub doesn't pay their like actors. Like I think the number one rule and like the number one to like rule of thumb to like go by, like to answer your question is like pay for your porn. Like Mm -hmm. these people are sex workers. And like, I love that OnlyFans has become so accessible because those are people who are consenting, who are loving to do their work. And it's relatively, you can find, like you can find the niches and the creators that are accessible, that are affordable. 
Um, so I think like the number one thing is just pay for your porn or, or do a lot of research. Um, I know the porn company, Belessa, B-E-L-E-B-E-L-L-E-S-A, I think, mm-hmm. um, is ethical. Um, and they do pay a lot, like they do pay like the people that like they promote and like show, um, even though it's like free. So I think the main rule of thumb is just like pay for your porn, like always, always pay for your porn because that's the most ethical way to do it because porn that is like for free consumption is more than likely within the unethicality realm. Mm -hmm. Um, Kink.com also um, is a great one educational source and two um, from what I have heard is ethical. There's a website called Erica Lust that is not ethical, even though it seems ethical. There's a lot. I I don't know the specific research. I just know that a lot of workers have come out saying that they didn't really love their experience with that company in particular. But that's the research I have. I think do your own research. But at the end of the day, find porn that you like and pay for because that's the most ethical way to consume it. Yeah, that's really interesting because my relationship with porn, I feel like is so complicated because I did date someone where porn was actually kind of like a problem within our relationship because like, even if we were together and we were like intimate and romantic and, you know, sensual, like then he would still go on and like watch hours of it after being with me and actually like admitted like, Hey, like I'm kind of consuming more porn than being intimate with you. And it kind of like tripped me up in terms of like my like emotional and sexual like self-worth. And so like, I know that it's relative to every person, but I guess that's why for me personally, it has like a little bit of an edge in terms of like consumption, but also a lot of like his avenue for consumption was through Twitter. Um, And I think that's where things get messy too, because then that content is also free and like the creators aren't like, necessarily tied to it too right because it is free and so I guess that's where it gets a little bit messy but I guess how can you consume porn in a healthy way yeah I think that's a great question I think just like anything in your life moderation um if I had pizza every single day like any health expert would tell me probably shouldn't eat like seven slices of pizza a day similarly like how you shouldn't watch like seven hours of porn a day um porn can be such like you can get in such like a rabbit hole i really like big mouth episode the porn big mouth episode where they go in the dark black hole Mm -hmm. and they like really get really deep into it because like that's a thing that can happen like that's a thing that like really happens because like once you start consuming it you want to consume it more and more and more so i think like a good rule of thumb, I think for anyone is like, once you have reached orgasm or once you finish, like, like take a step back, like just from any situation. Like if you like when I, cause it's, it's such a different reality, but like after I masturbate and I want 
watch porn sometimes I feel gross and dirty because like sometimes that's just how like porn happens to like make us feel um and so it's nice to take a step back and I think that's the same with like consumption and like I have never been down the Twitter like porn rabbit hole but I'm sure that like it can happen like I'm sure like just similarly how you can go down like an Instagram stalking hole I don't know but like taking a step back or like setting like a timer or just like saying like oh I'm only going to give myself like you should never like um restrict your pleasure or anything but if like you're concerned or like somebody's concerned that it's becoming an issue then like really like be mindful of it be mindful of like how long you're watching be mindful of like oh have I already finished like five times like have I already reached like climax like have I or, or how do I, have I already orgasmed like multiple times a day like should I take a step back kind of deal so I think it's like dependent on the person and it's always the person's like decision on how much they're consuming and like if they think their consumption is unhealthy at the end of the day that will always be a personal decision but mm-hmm. I think always just being mindful um, and I think that's really interesting you brought up like that feeling of kind of like feeling gross and like that kind of guilty feeling. And I feel like that's something that happens to a lot of women, especially when they're younger and kind of first figuring things out. And I was kind of wondering why you think that is, or if there's a way to kind of overcome that or just why do women specifically kind of can feel like that oftentimes? I think that women feel like it oftentimes because women are more objectified in porn. It feels like, um, like some like one of the top search like one of the top porn searched like I can't think of the word but like trends um is like rape like that's one of the top um teen is the top and that's that's gross like that's dirty like that's not like a bad thing for me like to say that like it's gross that like rape is one of the top searched words on Pornhub Um, so I think that contributes to like, at least me personally, like feeling gross and dirty and kink. There's something called sub drop. So basically like as a summary is like when you are like in play, you can release a lot of endorphins, um, and your parasympathetic and your sympathetic nervous systems are like pumping and like moving. But after you get out of that, you kind of drop, you kind of feel gross, you kind of feel yucky. And so you do aftercare. So I think that that should be in everything like vanilla sex, like solo sex, like sometimes when you're releasing a lot of endorphins during solo sex, like you're going to feel gross after it because your body like just naturally will have to go into a state of relaxation. And that state of relaxation can be our adrenaline, like calming us down. So I think like any form of like self-care can help like combat that a nice bath, like lighting a candle, like maybe journaling, but just knowing that like, one, you're not dirty, two, porn isn't real, and three, like, oh yeah, my adrenaline is pumping, like my body is just naturally reacting to like the very intense orgasm I just had. Yeah, I think that for years, I was so confused in terms of like what the female orgasm would feel like because so many of these women are like you know in ecstasy and euphoria and like it honestly took seven people (laughs) 
to like finally like feel something that was like, oh, this is slightly different than all the other times. And it was honestly discouraging. Like I thought that I was that like part of that percentage of women that just simply can't have an orgasm, simply cannot climax. And then at that point, it's like, why have sex at all if it's like only for your partner's pleasure, right? Because that's like, uh, I'm just giving my body up for you, which can be good, like depending on the person. But I genuinely thought that something was wrong with me. Um, Or like, I don't know, because also I never really took the time to get to know my body because I just felt like I was being unproductive again, like that like mental block of like, oh, I could be doing something else. This seems weird. I don't even know where to put anything. I don't even know where to go or anything. I'm just going to let my partner, a like 20 something boy that probably also doesn't know what the heck he's doing, just like punch numbers and like use a calculator or something, right? Because like, that's sometimes what it would feel like. And I'd feel like a crazy person. And I don't know, just give up and then be the giver. It took like seven people to realize like, yes, it is okay to be the receiver at the beginning. It's not weird. Um, I had one person say that he couldn't go down on me because he had a gag reflex. I don't know what he thought was going to pop out. (laughs) But um, that was his reasoning. And that just made me feel like something was wrong with me again. And so I guess what are your tips for like female completion? Because I think a lot of people need to hear it. Um, Shout out to like my current partner though. (laughs) Things are great. (laughs) (laughs) I once had a boy tell me that he wouldn't go down on me because he felt he felt like it was looking like sandpaper. And I was like, "What? Okay." Yikes! That, like, yeah, it was bad. I, I like, okay, here. Yeah, I one time had some boy tell me, um, "No, we can't hook up unless you shave." Ooh. And I was like, "What? Do you think that there's just hair everywhere, like inside too?" because it doesn't it doesn't really affect i have a friend who her first time uh getting with a boy the boy was like i'm so good at oral sex like i'm gonna go down on you and it's gonna be the best time of your life first thing he does chomps on the clip that's happened to me directly on the clip oh ow yep no 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 but going back to your question, yes. Nicole, I think the biggest answer is probably the hardest answer is your brain is your biggest sex organ. Um, and so there's a lot of mental blockage. Like I, I think it's an experience that everyone, like every female has like encountered um, because there's that mental blockage. And I, and unlike a penis, it's not like a, there's not a, correct movement if that makes sense um there's a lot of pieces when it comes to the female genitalia area it's not up and down with two sets of balls like it's 
clitoris, there could be anal simulation, there could be vaginal simulation, there could be external, internal, like it's a whole damn puzzle down there. And that's really hard to wrap your head around. Um, my biggest piece of advice that I tell everybody is look at your vagina with a mirror, like get a hand mirror and like, just look at it. Like, if you don't know what it looks like, how can you expect to communicate with like a future partner, what you like? And once you have that hand mirror and like you're in a place like mentally, like, you know, start feeling around like, oh, like I like this rubbing like sensation that like I think is my clit or I like the sensation on my labias. It's like, and that like watching will also put, you know, your brain is your biggest sex organs. It'll put the pieces together if you like are seeing things too. Because when you see like yourself touching something, you feel like psychologically, you feel the sensation more. Um, Just like if I was touching like a soft rug and I wasn't looking at it, you know, there's, you know, your visuals help Um, your optic nerves like do tricks sometimes. So I think that's my biggest piece of advice. And then finding out what you like and sex toys are not the enemy. Um, a lot of people call them like t- like sex tools. Like they're a tool to help you. And there are so, so many out there, like a ridiculous amount made by so many companies with so many different colors. So if you discover that clitoris simulation is your favorite, but you like vibrating instead of suction, then like there's definitely a toy out there for you. Um, I think that's really helpful for solo play. Um, but other than that, just really like get to know your body and like adventure and like don't pressure yourself. It took me, I don't know, probably six years to reach orgasm from like solo play. Like it took me a really long time. Um, I like it was only recent and I was mass, I started masturbating probably when I was like 14 and like. I think I was 20 when I first had my first orgasm from like solo play. So like, you know, take your time. And also if you don't orgasm, like if you still experience pleasure, then it was successful. Like the goal is to always feel pleasure. Obviously orgasms are fun, but that doesn't have to be the goal. Even during partner play, an orgasm doesn't have to be the end goal. With all of those partners that I've had, like, Yes, the sex is enjoyable, but I guess after every single time, basically, I would, it's kind of depressing, but I would kind of cry to myself because I would feel like, how am I never, like, it felt discouraging that I was never going to get to this point of ecstasy that they were getting to. And it felt like I was like the tool to get them there. But, like, it was never, like, a two-way street until, like, these most, like, the most recent people that I've been with, which just, like, opened my eyes to a new world of sex. But, um, yeah, so I guess, are you, would you say that you can't have the best sex of your life until you learn how to do it yourself? No, but I would say that learning what your body likes like help so much when it comes to communication because like the number one rule for like having pleasurable sex and like the best sex ever is communication, communication, communication. Um, And I think that if you can't communicate 
what your body likes, how can you like expect like a partner to know if that makes sense? But also like sometimes it does help having other people. Like, like I personally am somebody that prefers penetrative, which is like a very small proportion. Most women get off through clitoral simulation. Um, I would have never discovered that I liked penetrative simulation if it weren't for being with a penis owner, basically. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> um, my, my fingers wouldn't have provided the stimulation that like a penis would have. So, I mean, I think like yes and no, like after I discovered that I liked penetrative simulation, then I kind of discovered more like solo um, that allowed for like better communication. So I think you can learn a lot of things when you have partner sex, but I also think you can communicate a lot of things when you have solo sex. So as we know and have heard, men are generally not very good at pleasuring women. So my question going off of that is I was very lucky growing up that I was surrounded by friends that were girls that were very open about all this stuff. So I had like a great resource for talking and asking questions and things like that. But for the countless men out there that I guess either don't have the resource or don't want to just like straight up ask their female friends, Hey, how do I do this? Or what do I do? What resources should they lean on? Because it feels like a lot of men lean on porn and that's not the way to go. Clearly. Porn is not the way to go. I think the number one resource is your partner, but I also think a great resource out there. It's called, uh, Oh my, it's either Oh my God or Oh my G. And it's this paid prescription um, platform where basically you, there's like hundreds of videos and they're not like pornographic videos. They're, they're, I can't think of the word. Like educational? Yeah, they're educational. Um, And you literally just watch videos of how to do X, Y, and Z. Um, And it's like very upfront, you know, there's, a real person with a real vagina, like showing you what they like. If you look up the website, um, there are like example videos that you can watch without like accessing the platform. But all of my male friends that have had like access to this platform and all of their respective partners have been like, it was life changing. Um, like that is a great, great resource. And it's by a company that wants to like diminish the orgasm gap. Like their goal is for women to have orgasms. Wow. So I think that's a really great resource. I think definitely like just do a little Google searching on the anatomy of what a female (laughs) vagina looks like. And also like, like where are the pleasure points? You know, I also think don't be afraid of using toys. I know I said that like earlier, but like toys are your friends, like oral plus toys. It's a life changing experience. I like recommend it to like everyone, but I think that there, that can be a, like a hurdle for men because sometimes they feel like emasculated. But I think the three things I would say is your partner, like just listen that website. I'm pretty sure it's called, Oh my God, but I'm not positive. I'll figure it out. Okay. Um, and then Google, Google what anatomy looks like. And I think then you're set hopefully. Um, and yeah. Okay. I think I have one. Um, so kind of going off, like you're talking about 
toys and stuff. I know a concern that like I've talked to some of my female friends about is like buying things like a vibrator or a toy for like their own personal use. Um, like during masturbation, they're kind of afraid that if they get used to that, that nothing else will ever compare and that they'll start to rely on that. Do you think that there is like any validity in that at all? Or kind of what would you suggest to people who are kind of afraid to look into something like that? Um, like for somebody to get look into like toys in general or toys like with a fear of like not being able to like have non-toy sex. That, like Yeah, like that, like relying on them solely. Um, I think that's like definitely a valid fear. Um, I think that once you experience the two sensations of like, if you're having penetrative sex, um, like penis and vagina sex, it's a very, very different sensation than like vibrate, like using a vibrator. And like, sometimes your body's going to want to crave the vibrator or like the sex toy, but like simulation. And sometimes your body's just going to want to create crave like penetrative sex. I also think that, um, like a big like stigma, like stigma against like toys so that it's like going to like numb or like desensitize. There's no validity in that. Like there's no science that backs it up. Um, and then I would say that when you have partner sex, like there's so many other things that involve it besides like just the penetrative stimulation. Um, like using a toy is so great and so helpful for partner for solo sex and sometimes for partnered sex. But there are a lot of things that you get in partner sex that you can't just get from solo sex. You get, you know, two sets of hands that are not your own. You get communication, you get dirty talk, you get making out, you get intimate like feelings or sensations. You get um, like a lot of other like full body stimulation that I think that yes, relying on a vibrator is like definitely a real fear, but there are so many other things and senses that can come from penetrative sex or oral sex um, that no toy can ever, ever like replicate, like ever. Also, I Googled it and it's omgyes.com. Well, I guess um, another question that I have, how would you help a vanilla person spice things up <laughs> with their vanilla partner <laughs> without like the standard you know romantic eye contact missionary over and over and over again which you know works but what are some tips to like you know spice it up yeah without well go in I think full, baby steps know, always even if you want to go full chain and whip like go swimming in the kiddie pool first. Like we're not going <laughs> diving. I think a really fun way to spice things up that isn't kink is um, mutual masturbation can be really, really fun, especially mutual masturbation watching the topic of this conversation porn. Um, I think that that can be very exciting. Um, and it's not kinky, but it's definitely not vanilla because you get a different type of pleasure watching a partner pleasure themselves and you can add like kinky things in the dynamic dynamic like edging like you can or teasing like you cannot touch each other so that'll add tension um and like sort of a dynamic i think dirty talk is also a really great way to 
spice things up and maybe go into more of the BDSM kink realm because in BDSM you have dynamics, right? You have dom, sub, top, bottom, um, things like that. So the number one way you get into those dynamics is dirty talk is the communication that happens. So, and that's, that's something in kink that can happen like without a ton of like research, like there should still be research. Cause like, you shouldn't like immediately like go in and call somebody like a dirty little whore, you know, you got to have a little bit of communication on what you like to be called. Um, or like negotiation is what like BDSM and kink terms are. Um, <laughs> so I think that that's a really good way to like maybe spice things up and add a dynamic into a vanilla. Even if it's just missionary, you can still make that missionary feel dominant and submissive. I think after that is just figuring out what you um, are really interested in, you know, like, do you want to try like impact play that involves like spanking? Do you want to do a gag like bondage? Those are the more things that now we're like going swimming, not like dipping your toes in. (laughs) Um, I would also say um, temperature play is a huge thing in kink. Um, Ice cubes are revolutionary. So I would say everyone has ice, you know, um, the other side of temperature play would be wax play, which is a little bit more advanced. Um, basically wax play is when you get a specific candle that has a high melting point and you drip it on somebody's back. Usually is the safest space and the like higher or lower you do it to the back, the more sensation you get, that'll give you more of a like a stinging pain, but ice can be used. Like you can like put ice in your mouth, go down on like somebody with a penis. You can, they can, a person can put ice in their mouth, go down on somebody with a vagina. So that's like, I think a way to like spice things up that involve kink things, but wouldn't necessarily be like a kink and BDSM like scene. That makes sense. Right. Right. Um, and I did want to ask you um, why anal play is actually so pleasurable because I had my very first um, experience of that <laughs> recently um, yeah. and I did not know that that was enjoyable. And so when Jane Iko, you know, Jane Iko, when she said, eat the booty like groceries <laughs> I would always be like that's such a funny like lyric and now I think um I think I get it uh, <laughs> um but I guess like why is that so pleasurable like for women because I know for men right it's very sensitive yeah just just a reminder the g-spot is in the man's ass so it goes both ways right and so why is it so pleasurable like for women since our clit is like yeah not um i think like because there's still nerve endings in the asshole you know um and it's that's true you you know when you look at like body autonomy like your colon like is right behind your reproductive system you know your rectum is like right there so even though it's not touching like your clit, your it's still like, like when when 
something is in the ass, like it's still going to put pressure on some of the pressure points, maybe in a little bit more of like a, like a duller sensation, but there's still sensation. And then you get the added sensation of like, oh, there's something in my ass. And also, oh, like there's nerve endings in my ass, you know, I think that's it. I also like, I don't know what kind of like ass play you did, but like a butt plug with like penetrative sex um the butt plug will basically like put pressure so your vaginal canal will feel a little tighter so you'll get stimulation like both ways that can be if somebody is like wanting to try anal or butt stuff i think i always recommend like a small or a medium butt plug cerillas has them like the small i think is like ten dollars the medium is like fifteen dollars or something um that's one great way to see if anal stimulation is for you because sometimes putting a whole dick in the ass can be really overwhelming. It's like, especially, you know, if your partner's well endowed down there. I also think that, you know, butt plugs aren't very long, um, but they still definitely like get the sensations Mm -hmm. that like anal play would get. And then you get the added benefit of if you want to have sex with, within the vaginal, um, like with like, you know, vaginal sex, you get double the stimulation, if that makes sense. Right. And so with my experience, one of my partners said, oh, well, Nicole, like it's going to hurt like the first three times to do anal, but like by the fourth time, it'll be worth it. Um, and that kind of, um, made me feel unsafe. <laughs> And it made me feel like, uh, you know, why is it like not really making anal seem like sexy or like something worth trying if it means like I'm going to be in unbearable pain? Um, because, yeah. Um, and uh, also my very first experience was like, Oh, well, I thought that was your vagina. So I just put that boy in there. Um, And so like that also was very uncomfortable. And so I guess like, how do you make anal worth it? Slash, is it worth it if it seems scary, I guess? Yeah, I think that's person-by-person basis is if it's worth it but I would say that the way to really make it worthwhile is lube you got to use like a shit ton of lube like I think like more lube than you like would think also put a condom on you know there's different bacteria and germs in the butt than in the vagina you know um so like and it'll help things slide in a little easier um like like latex will help it become a little bit more slippery, but like latex and a ton of lube will one help. Also, sometimes the pain, the pain is what is pleasurable. Uh, your pain receptor and your pleasure receptor in your brains are very close. Uh, that's why sadomasochism and masochism are a thing. So sometimes people like anal for the pain. Um, there's a specific type of kink called painal um, for like that, like deals. Very with- creative name. I know, right? <laughs> I think it's literally spelled like pain and then A-L instead of like P-A-N-A-L. But, you know, that's 
that's a kink that deals with and like embraces the pain that can come with anal. But also you don't have to start with like a dick. You can start slow. You can do a finger, a thumb. I would caution that you cannot put anything in your asshole that does not have a bottom because unlike your vagina, your colon is a highway. It will suck literally everything up. So (laughs) you can Google like ER horror stories. Um, Yeah. So everything has to have like a bottom. Like that's why it's called a butt plug because it stops. So, you know, don't put like a Sharpie up there. Don't put Ah. a cucumber. It'll get sucked up. Ah. (laughs) Yeah. But that's, you know, that's something we should have learned because people, have you guys ever watched Grey's Anatomy? Yes. You know, there's that Grey's Anatomy episode where he puts the like aerosol can. Oh. No. Sorry, I've only watched like half an episode. Oh, well, there's but... like an, there's an episode where he's like basically like a guy like wants to feel the pleasure that is anal. He puts an aerosol can up there. No. Um, and the spoiler alert is they didn't know it was an aerosol can. And obviously no. they have like tools. And so the person exploded. But that's, that's, that's Grey's Anatomy. That's not the a real person story. exploded. The more I hear about Grey's Anatomy, the more I'm like, what is this show? <laughs> because the aerosol can and the like oxygen and the like tweet. I mean, but I don't know. Who, who was writing this script and was like, you know what we're going to do? Blow someone up through an aerosol can in their ass. Yeah, basically. Passplay. Gone wrong. But if you Google like thing, like like ER horror stories, like it's a real thing that happens. So if you want to adventure into the land of anal, go for it. If you're using any sort of tool or sex toy, you got to have a, a plug on it. Or like a loop, like you know how anal beads have like a, they have like a loop on the end. Anything that you can hold, essentially. <laughs> I know, I didn't mean to scare you. Like, I thought Grey's Anatomy was a really serious drama show. And that sounds like, I mean, it's horrible he got blown up, but that sounds like a comedy. Like that's, wow. Yeah, but basically the person that did it was like an intern who got yeah. fired. So then you get the drama, you know, but that's, it's great as that. It's a very serious drama. It is, you know, <laughs> people get blown up from things in their asshole. So kind of, I did, was just kind of curious, maybe you guys discuss this and read between the lines a bit, but I was just curious about like your personal journey with like ink education specifically, because I feel like. I mean, a lot of the stuff that we've talked about and that I've learned over the past few years, we never learned in school. Like so many of sex education things you never hear about until like from the internet somehow. I mean, schools just don't teach you half of this stuff. And so I feel like it's getting better over the years slightly, but I feel like kink education is still something that is kind of like a taboo subject that isn't really talked about a lot. I was kind of wondering what your journey was like getting into that and kind of what your goal is to kind of exploring that and educating people about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, like my own personal, I'll talk about my own personal journey with kink. I knew I was into bondage. Probably my earliest memory is like 13, 14. I remember talking to my first boyfriend about like tying him up from like now looking back at him, he was a hundred percent a sub, a submissive, but but like back then, obviously, I didn't have that language. And then I started to really, really explore in college, and I had a really negative experience. Um, I basically entered 
what one would call a 24 seven dom sub dynamic where the only like the only it's not a relationship that's kinky it's it's a it's a dom sub relationship that is continually like you're continually in your dynamic um and it went really bad it just was really negative and I was like really upset with myself because I was like I should have known better because at that point in time I had already done probably 50 hours of sex research and 25 of that was probably kink research especially kink and consent so I entered this relationship it was really negative I had a really negative experience and I was like I can't I can't do kink again even though like I knew at that point that I was still like a very large part of my sexual identity. And I started talking to my peers and I realized every single one of my peers had been choked. I don't know anyone in my life who hasn't, who has had sex, um, who hasn't been choked. Sometimes it just happened. Sometimes it was consensual. Um, there was this guy I knew who was like infamous for like the second he started making out with him, like on went like his hand, you know, like it was just like his, like, you know, just, it was in my like community, like my friend group, like it was just a thing that you knew that he did that. So I started doing research and I was like, this is really dangerous. Like people should know how to like choke. Cause I, I don't know how you choke correctly. Like that's an airway, like that's really dangerous. Um, and then at the time my kink research was talking about high risk versus low risk activities. And one of the high risk activities in kink happened to be choking. I kind of was like shocked. I was like, these pieces don't fit together. Like it just doesn't work. Um, so then that's when I started to really like research more about the kink community, get into the kink community. And then I found like a gap. I found a gap between the kink community and like accessing the kink community and then people accessing education. When you're in the kink community, most of it functions online, you know? There's a whole kink social media and you got to have a little bit of knowledge to enter this. Like it's called fat life. You have to know a little bit. And also fat life is very unapproachable. Um, it's like the whole screen is black. Like everyone's profile pictures are not their face. Um, you get messages all the time from like daddy Dom 69 telling you lots of things that he wants to do. Like it can be very unapproachable for beginners. And I was like, okay, if this is how you access education, like how, there was a gap. Like, how could I ever get education if this is like throwing me off? And um, the kink community is private for a reason. And the kink community is tight for a reason because it can be really dangerous if somebody enters it without not having knowledge. But it's like, how the f do I enter this community if I don't have the knowledge? Um, especially since there's also, there's the kink community and then there's bedroom kink. And I saw that a lot of people my age were engaging in bedroom kink things. So I decided to do a lot of like personal education because I knew I had the mental space and the mental capacity to absorb it and like regurgitate it basically, because there's a difference between educating yourself and then being, being able to educate yourself and then educate others. And I realized from other sex education work I had done on campus that like, oh, this is something I'm good at. So I found my niche of basically I call it kink education for the kinky, maybe, or like for those who are engaging in bedroom kink. There are a lot of kink educators that are fabulous in the kink community, but I wanted to fill the gap on if I'm here and the kink community is here, how do I get, like, how do I get into the kink community with the education I don't have, especially since 
some people's like vibes aren't books and like that's kind of the main way you get kink education also like some people's vibes aren't learning everything about the kink community like maybe you just want to do bondage like that's totally fine i'm here to teach you how to do bondage in your bedroom with your consensual partner in a safe and healthy way and so that's basically how i found it and what i want to do is i don't want to be a kink educator in the kink community but i want to be a kink educator for those that are interested and maybe willing to do kink. No, I think that makes so much sense. And I think that's such a good resource for people to have, because I think it is so rare to find something like that. And especially kind of what you said about a lot of those websites, you know, how they are very kind of scary to look at. And they are an Instagram page that has like cute graphics and nice colors and is really approachable and is not frightening to look at. I think that's something that we don't have enough of is, and is such a good resource to have. I think pictures of like people tied up, gags in their mouth, black, like red leather, like those are all key components of the kink community, but can be really hard to like look at. Um, and also just like hard to like get the education from, you know, I don't want to go to a website that's all black with ads on the side of people like tied up like I'm fine doing that when I'm in my like arousal like porn solo like sex state I don't want to do that when I'm in my education state and there wasn't like a difference when I came to the kink community you know it all was like blurred together and I basically was like how would I want to find this information and how would I how do I like to be educated on this and then I just, I did a lot of research. There's a few King Education Instagram accounts out there, but I didn't find one that was, I like colors. And I was like, I wanted a colorful, like accessible, like understanding education account, you know? Yeah. And I'm so happy that you made this account because now I'm like, ew, I'm just going to go through all these like infographics and like learn a lot because it's very similar to um the Instagram account so you want to talk about insert blank right and like that just Mm -hmm. makes everything easily digestible and like aesthetically pleasing and like what Taylor said like super super approachable which I feel like is going to open up your platform to so many people um because like this is like we know this like it's usually like sex education is something that you just keep under wraps and you just don't talk about and or you keep it to a very like tight-knit group of like folks that you actually like admit you know little things to and so I think it's really cool what you're doing I know that you have three fans right here (laughs) supporting you and so um I think that's all the time that we have left on the pod. Thank you again, Emerson, for joining us and teaching us so many things from your ass play tool needs a bottom, damn it, (laughs) Um, to, um, you know, ethical porn and, you know, just having conversations and things like that. So thank you so much for joining us. We love talking to you. Uh, thank you for having course and so um everyone you can catch us next week talking about love life 
Christian journalism, sex, will ask eating come back into conversation? We don't know. It's been off the record, you know? It is what it is. And so, Taylor, where can they find us on social media? You can find us on Instagram at Chalk Magazine or University Daily Kansan or on Twitter at Chalk Magazine or at Kansan News. And if you have any of your own questions for Emerson, our own sex columnist at Chalk, you can ask her those as well. If you look through our social media or on Emerson's account, you'll find a form where you can ask her any questions that you have. Emerson, remind us where we can find you on social media. My Twitter is at Emerson Karsh. My Instagram is at The Kink Educator. And then my private Instagram that has the sex, the chalk, sex talk ask um, questions is emerson.karsh. Perfect. And Wyatt, where can they listen to this pod on? You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, really any podcast service, wherever you like to listen to things. Perfect. And with that, it's been off the record. Bye. See you, everybody. Peace.